Hello. Hi, everybody. Hello, sir or madam. Welcome back to Hard Knocks Film School. Enclosed, you will find stuff, clever things that you can only find here on Hard Knocks Film School. (laughs) I was hoping the rest of the joke would come to me and it didn't. Yeah. I'm sorry. I think you do that with a lot of sentences, though. Sometimes I start speaking and I don't even know where it's going to (laughs) go. So if you've listened this far, congratulations. <laughs> we haven't gotten through much yet, so you haven't missed much if you uh, are just coming in now. That's untrue, but uh, we haven't covered much actual film, I suppose. We've talked a lot about innovations and new inventions. And a lot about people who are involved in early film. Yeah. It's a film history podcast after all, though, I suppose. I don't think we've done any disservice. No, but we'll certainly be moving through the later years a little bit more slowly. Oh, well, yeah. Last week we talked about Georges Méliès. He was our first Artur. Yeah, you could say that. Our film last week was House of the Devil, and we didn't really have a side watch for last week. No. The Prestige. Loosely related to our... Yeah. Story. More about the ideas that we... <laughs> Sort of addressed and less about the event. Well, if we inspired you to watch that film, then yay. And you're welcome, I guess, uh, assuming you liked it. If you were watching it for the first time, which I hope everyone's seen that. It's great. It's a Christopher Mm -hmm. Nolan movie. So this week we're going to wrap it up on 1896 so we can move on to better things. (laughs) And we're going to be talking about uh, one of George Melies's main competitors, who we mentioned in the last episode. Right. Her name is Alice Guy Blanchet. Well, it wouldn't be yet, because I don't think she was married to her husband until later. I don't think she was born married, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the Blanchet was added later. Yeah, I don't think, I think this year, I don't think she was, she was was Miss Guy Blanchet. She was simply Miss Guy, or Mrs. Mademoiselle. Madame, Madame Guy Blachet. Madame Guy. Yeah, sorry, get my French right. And she's Mademoiselle Guy at the moment. Alice Guy enters the scene as Leon Gaumont's secretary, who we talked about a little bit in the last couple episodes, but he was the one of the heads of the of a camera manufacturing company. Yes, like a film stock. Yeah, cameras and camera accessories. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> I think, which I think is actually an accurate description of what he did. You know, he sold lenses and replacement parts and also it was a camera, as well as being a a camera manufacturer himself. Right. He was a French industrialist type capitalist guy. Yeah. And Alice, they say that she was his secretary, but it seems like they were, they were quite a bit closer than that. Or that she was more like his uh, assistant. She was more involved in the actual business side of things than just... Than secretary implies, yeah. yeah, Than taking dictation and organizing meetings and getting coffee. Right, which is what we're picturing, like, the the madmen secretaries right now. Mm -hmm. But she attended this film screening with him, the Lumiere Brothers, early screening in March of 1895 that we talked about a couple episodes ago. On the Wikipedia page, on her Wikipedia page, it says that it was a surprise event. For her, like she didn't know it was happening and just showed up or it was 
Like they gave they they invited people on really short notice. Oh, okay. Hey, Lumiere brothers are coming to do something. It was like a oh 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 in a I publicity see, see, stunt kind of kind yeah, of way. Yeah, I think that's what that's what it implied anyway. And I think like Georges Méliès, Alice Guy was immediately very inspired and had one million ideas. Yeah, I have to imagine that she was feeling similarly once she, like when she saw those images, she was feeling that same inspiration that George felt. When she George. checked out the goods. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After she got a gander at the goods. <laughs> and the other evidence that she was much more than a secretary in this company is that she asked Leon Gaumont if she could direct a film herself and he was like yeah go ahead yeah which says a lot i think um i mean i don't know how progressive a guy leon gaumont was um but if we can sort of judge by what he'll do in the future i mean he's a businessman i think first and foremost so i don't think he would have probably trusted someone unless he was reasonably certain that they were going to make him some money you know what i mean oh yeah sure which she didn't stick around at Gaumont for that long, but it seems like she did make him some money. Oh, yeah. Even after she left, he didn't get out of the business. So, uh, you know, that must have been... He must have been making money early and often, or he would have just abandoned it altogether and gone back to selling cameras and camera accessories. So, unfortunately, I don't I don't think we know what, what they talked about when they left that theater. Allison... Leon. No, that is lost to... I wonder what that conversation was like. Lost to time. Something along the lines of, holy shit, did you see that? So the title of this episode is La Fille au Chou, or The Fairy of the Cabbages, for those who don't speak French, like me. And also me. And we're cheating a little bit in this episode, which hopefully we won't have to do in the future, but we don't have access to the 1896 version of this film it is lost to time well she's she's definitely not going to be our own our only person who we're talking about from sort of a lost film perspective uh there's people's entire careers that have been lost to time so i don't know i mean it's cheating but it is essentially the same movie we're watching the 1900 version but she did remake it one other time in 1902 so yeah, at least. She made it a couple more times. Yeah. So we're watching the 1900 version and pretending it's from 1896. Um, <laughs> link below, can find on YouTube. You know the drill. Yeah. It's not your first time, or maybe it is. If it is your first time, we, we link everything below so that you can watch it. It's pretty self-explanatory here at Hard Knocks Film School. <laughs> so like most of our early films, films, it's about a minute and 30 seconds long real short and it's it looks as though this film was the inspiration for like cabbage patch kids maybe um, <laughs> well the it's it's a it's just a fairy pulling well it, it, they say fairy but it's just a a woman a woman in a flowery dress yeah maybe she's a fairy because the cabbages are giant on the set they look like the they're giant so she's supposed to be tiny well no but the fence is normal sized and so are the babies yeah that's weird i don't know well, anyway, they're really big cabbages. <laughs> Huge cabbages. Well, it's not a woman. It's Alice Gee. It's not just any woman. That's Yeah. No, it's not. And uh, she's wearing a yeah flowery dress with a some kind of crown on her head. 
And she's yanking babies from vegetables. They're all fake sort of two-dimensional set cabbages. And half of the babies are just sort of doll heads, which Oof, is a little creepy. They look real creepy. Yeah. yeah. But then the other ones are, are, are live babies. And she's, she's picking them up and then putting them on the ground in the foreground of the, you know. Yeah. The shot. Of the shot. Thank you. She just kind of dropped that one. Yeah, they're just naked babies, and she's leaving them on the ground to flail around. Ooh, look at the baby! <laughs> look at the baby! Ooh. All right, well, now what? Like, what yeah, are you going to do really... with them now, Cabbage Fairy? Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's literally it. Flops babies on ground. End. I'm not sure how I feel on this one. Like, it's good. It's a really great first attempt, I suppose. And it's definitely more entertaining than, like, Annabelle's butterfly fucking dance. People like to say that this is, you know, very early narrative film. Like she, yeah. they're telling a little story. There's there's yeah. there's a fairy, she's she's doing stuff, she's got a job. Okay, well here's here's I guess here's my as soon as we turned it on again and we were talking about narrative film, the first thing that I noticed was there there are definitely some elements of what would sort of become this melodramatic acting style, these exaggerated arm movements. The way she's blocking herself, she's moving closer to and then farther away from the camera a couple times. She's moving out of center. She's going over to like this side to do something and then going over to that side to do something. Like what she's physically doing on screen, we see sort of mimicked as we move into telling more complex stories. She's sort of. I don't know if she's creating it necessarily, but this is a really great example of that. Yeah, this isn't quite as dramatic as the very exaggerated pantomiming that we're going to see mm -hmm. in just a couple of years. Mm -hmm. They're going to get really wild with that stuff. <laughs> Make sure you flail your arms around, otherwise they won't know what we're doing. Yeah, but she's she's doing some of that. She's a bit more subtle and graceful about it. Well, it almost looks like dance. Like, she's almost dancing. She's wearing little ballet slippers, yeah. if you look closely. Although she's also wearing a corset, so she looks very Victorian. Very. That's what her daughter says about her, too, in in uh, in that documentary we watched. Well, she was a very Victorian woman. Oh, that's funny. That's right. She <laughs> yeah, did yeah. say that. She, so, no, I don't think she said Victorian, actually. I think she, she was very 1800s or something like that. Oh, I yeah. see. So there is a documentary about her. We have another side watch for this week. Hooray. Uh, it just came out in 2019. It's called Be Natural, mm -hmm. The Untold Story of Alice Guy Blanchet. It's narrated by none other than Jodie Foster. Yeah, it's great. They they contact her family, mm -hmm. her distant relatives, like great-great-grandchildren, and they find, you know, they have stuff of hers. It's fun. It's it's great. Yeah. They They tell you her entire life story. Well, much like the first film, uh, for those of you who uh, are maybe this is your first episode with us, we watched there's a, a movie called The First Film that's about Louis Le Prince, Louis Le Prince, sorry, work on my French there. <laughs> and uh, it much like that film, the one we watched for this week's episode, they're also sort of trying to track down some missing pieces of research um, and you know, all of her, her entire catalog of films. And they went to all sorts of interesting film archives to dig things out. And it's, it's, if you're film history, history buffs, like 
Chloe and I, that stuff is, it's very exciting to see. There's a slim chance that some of these things are just like still out there someplace. Because in both cases, like everybody they talked to seemed like very willing to just like volunteer stuff. The relatives, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, when they would find photographs and her great-great-grandchildren had lots of stuff of hers. Mm-hmm. Her opera binoculars and right. stuff like that. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah, you should take these and put them in the, yeah. Her eyes touched these. Yeah. So she's a little bit more recently, she's more recently getting the credit that she was due. This is a story that we're going to hear of over and over again. Especially as we talk about like old Hollywood and these really old movie stars that got an early start. And a lot of them, a lot of these stories are going to end with, and then they died in poverty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The rise and fall of stardom and all that kind of. And it sounds really cliche, but it wasn't cliche yet because none of it had (laughs) happened yet. (laughs) They were creating the cliche. They were busy creating it. (laughs) Being the thing that the cliche would be based off of right george melies were there we can't say enough good things about him but he will eventually suffer a huge downturn in his career that we'll get to Mm -hmm. and yes there are interviews with alice from you know like the the 50s when she's really old that they show in in the documentary in be natural but she never got i don't really know of her getting any kind of Lifetime Achievement Award or recognition or anything while she was still alive. She was cut out of a lot of lists of people who were there from the beginning. Right. Yeah. Like once she sort of got out of filmmaking, um, she spent a lot of time sort of recording whatever, trying to like sort of create her legacy. And she reached out to people who were already beginning to document film history you know, people who she had either trained or was directly supervising were getting credit for films that she had made. Yeah, people that she had hired, she had brought them in as entry-level employees and taught them how to direct because she figured that out first. Mm-hmm. And then they were getting credit for her work 20, 30 years later. Yeah. Even when they, I think, were alive long enough to to have denied it for her. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. said, no, that wasn't actually, it was actually Alice that did yeah. all of that. Yeah. People were really, really happy to sort of write her out of history the yeah. way that they do. Yeah. But there's definitely, we will not write her out of our history here at Hard Knocks Film School. No, and I wanted to, one of the reasons I wanted to cover this film as early as we're covering it and in a bit of a cheating way is because <laughs> I wanted to talk about her early enough that she gets credit for, for being on the scene as early as she actually was. Yeah, that she was the second most important artist, director, filmmaker, or not maybe not the second most important, but the other most important, I think, ranking is probably silly. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Melius was more well-known and yeah, people yeah, yeah. stole his films a lot more readily, but he stayed in France and Alice moved to America and had a whole sort of part B of her filmmaking career in America. Georges got as much credit as anybody got at the time. You know, I mean, his films were being pirated and other people were taking credit. But when it came to documenting history after the fact, no one wrote him out the way they wrote Alice out. No, he certainly wasn't forgotten about as easily. Yeah. So definitely watch La Fille en Choux. 
It's adorable. <laughs> even though it's unclear what her plan is for those babies. Uh-huh. Isn't it cute? I'm collecting babies for our sacrifice later. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> for all we know. Yeah. We don't know what kind of yeah. fairy she is. Yeah, she, I mean, she's fae, bro. They're like, they're notoriously unpredictable. Just because she's covered in flowers doesn't mean she has good intentions. Yeah, people buried, what was it? Like the Irish were would bury salt in bogs or whatever in order to try and keep the fae away. Fae away. Available at any Home Depot. Spray it around the outside of your house so that fairies don't come around. <laughs> Just kidding. We're not sponsored. We have like 10 listeners. And also check out the documentary. It's called Be Natural because Alice had a big sign in her studio that said that. Said that. It said Be Natural to sort of inspire people to try to act natural in front of the camera. Okay. Yeah. But I feel like she's a bit of a hypocrite because having viewed La Fia Shu. She was not acting that, that that you're telling me that's how you walk around the world all the time. I think this was probably later in her career. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah We're yeah. going to watch more films of hers, so we'll see. It's definitely worse in some films than in others. <laughs> the whole pantomiming, the over pantomiming <laughs> issue. We can, we're going to talk ad nauseum about that, I'm sure, yeah. in later episodes. And Alice will come back up, too. We'll, we'll talk about her films as as they come up. Alice will return later in our story, but this is just the beginning. Yes. Especially after she gets to America, she has some interesting work. I haven't seen a lot of it, but I know about it because yeah. we watched that documentary. So so we didn't watch a lot of her work in our early movie viewing. No, she's not somebody you really come across unless you're really looking. Like our, I don't even think our early inspiration for the podcast spoke about her in his top 10 list, did he? We, well, we haven't even talked about him yet. I guess it hasn't really come up. Yeah, what's his what's his handle? What's his YouTube handle? Um, his YouTube channel is called One Too Many. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really liked his film lists that he made. And I based a very, very early version of our film list for this podcast on some things I heard about from his videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From his recommendations. Things I'd never heard of before. But he didn't mention Alice. Um he knows his stuff, but he or maybe she's just not one of his favorites. That's all. Perhaps, yeah. I don't know him or anything, but <laughs> anyway, shout out to uh, one too many. If you're listening to the podcast, thanks, man. I mean, I'm sure he's not listening, but the, the people who maybe possibly are should go watch his channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should go check him out. Do we have anything else to say about Alice for now in the year of our Lord 1896? I don't think so. We'll watch more of her films later. I just wanted to give her an, some early recognition. Yeah. Uh, if you're really bummed that 1896 is coming to an end, <laughs> you really want something else to watch. The most famous film from this year, maybe, is, um, it's called The Kiss, directed oh, yeah. by William Hise, <laughs> which you may have heard of. There's stories that, that people freaked out when they screened it because it's people kissing and that was basically porn to Victorians, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> They're ugly, though. Like, what? Like, it's not even titillating in, in the very least. No, they're two very fully clothed and very unfortunate looking people. I mean, whatever. They're just like middle-aged adults. Like, just whatever normal could be your aunt and uncle adults. Well, they're talking with their faces pressed right up against one another. Yeah. Which is really bizarre and seems like people don't really do that. Well, it seems like they were, they because it's a real tight frame. 
So it's not like a close up, but these two people's faces basically fill up the whole frame. And they're not small people. No. It's odd. They obviously did not have a sign in their studio that said be natural. <laughs> this is an Edison film, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Of William Hyes worked for Edison. Because of course it is. I think it was filmed at Black Mariah, too. Yeah, I think you're right. Anyway, not to spoil it, but then they kiss. Yo, they kiss, bro. And, you know, like The Exorcist, people vomited and ran out of the theater. <laughs> I heard. Screamed in terror. No, I don't think that that, I don't think the stories about that film are really true. I think that people just sort of went tee. Mm-hmm. Uh, also this year, one which we talked about last week, uh, the coronation of Tsar Nicholas II was filmed this year. Which I think it was Alexandra Promio who did the panorama of the Grand Canal. Actually, no. It was uh, a man by the name of Camille Cerf, C-E-R-F. And he actually filmed the coronation. However, it seems that Alexander Promio was in Russia that same year, in July, and he gave a film demonstration to Tsar Nicholas II. Oh, okay. I think I said that in an earlier episode, too. Oh, well. Correction. Correction <laughs> made. Uh, but he also worked with the Lumiere brothers. This Camille Cerf guy did. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he filmed that for them. Yes. He was another one of their films. He was a Belgian filmmaker. Oh, so the series of events might have been that Camille was went and filmed the coronation and then Alexander came back and showed the films of the coronation to Tsar Nicholas. So everything else for 1896 that I, I think we watched, well, we talked about in 1895 because that's actually when it was made. Yeah. So it's been covered already. So I think that pretty much wraps up 1896. Um. A few things that I think we just want to mention with no further explanation are the founding of a couple important film companies. Oh, right. So Pathé Frere was founded this year, mm -hmm. which we'll talk about a lot, and a man called Charles Pathé. And also Sigmund Lubin founded the, I think it's the Lubin Manufacturing Company. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Selig Polyscope was also founded this year, I think, in New York. Oh, is it? Right. Excuse me, it wasn't. New York. It was Chicago. But it was this year? Yeah, 1896. Oh, that was quick. Yeah, that was a short episode. No, no. It was quick that suddenly we have like six film studios. Oh, now. oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We have uh, Gaumont. We have Star. We have Pathé, Frere, Lubin, Edison's company, which I think, I don't think, was it called Vitascope? Vitascope. Yep. Uh, it might have been. I don't know. Oh, and also, um, William K. Dixon had founded oh, right. American yeah. Musical and Biograph Company right, already. Yeah. And then and now Selig Polyscope as well. Wow. Yeah. Happened fast, man. I mean a lot of them were camera manufacturers and things like that, like Leon Gaumont, so they were they were all but set up for it. Sure, sure. And some of these would become more important like production houses and other people were, you know, doing more directing, filming. Um I think for a while Gaumont was Mainly distributing as opposed to like producing anything meaningful, but. Well, they're all in various stages of development, but they exist is the point. I guess this was kind of a short episode. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. Well, should we give them the, uh, the code for their little orphan Annie decoder rings before we go? Oh, yeah. And then sign off. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week for another installment of Hard Knocks Film School. I think that this episode is going to. Is going to come out 
after Christmas, so that joke won't be as funny. Oh. It will be marginally less funny. <laughs> anyway, I drink more Ovaltine. Anyway, Ovaltine and stuff. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> so next week we are talking about 1897. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what the hell we're covering next episode, actually. Don't worry. All we, right. This is super professional. And we'll something. Let you, we'll let you guys know. We're covering lots of something next week. Get ready. Uh, but if you can find that that Alski documentary, Be Natural, definitely watch it. I think I had to buy it on Amazon, so sorry. Um, come talk to us on our Discord at hardknocks underscore films. Follow the Instagram with the same handle to uh, get updates, even though I'm in charge of that and I'm not great about posting set updates. but. Go follow it anyway. Whatever, we're new. And come back next week for for a continued story. I think it's the boxing match. I think you're right. I think that's I think, I think it's the world's first pay-per-view. Yeah, that's right. Fitzsimmons. Corbin and Fitzsimmons. Yeah, Corbin and Fitzsimmons fight. That might be, is that the right one? There's Corbett. a couple of- Corbett? Well, there's one guy that shows up in more than one of these really early boxing matches, and I think it might be Corbett mm-hmm. or Fitzsimmons. I don't remember. Was it- was, <laughs> It's corn. One- it's corn Johnson. Corn. <laughs> yeah. His first name was corn. <laughs> it's corn Johnson. It's not his real name. That's from uh not Million Dollar Baby. The Russell Crowe boxing film that you love. Cinderella Man. Yeah. I do love that movie. Yeah. Anyway, uh thanks for tuning in, guys. And um we'll see you next week. Yeah, I think that's it. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.